This week's episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by avgearguy.com. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan or videotapes or audio tapes or film rolls that you need to import into your computer, check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name of this podcast, when you order, you'll get 5% off and a portion of your order will go to help support the rant room. All these formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All of your memories could be stored safely on the cloud or on a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AVGearGuy.com has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media, digital and analog, and they can accept orders from anywhere in the United States. Don't forget to mention the Screenwriter's Rant Room and get 5% off your order. For more details, visit their website at avgearguy.com. I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Rant Room Hello, and welcome to the Screenwriter's Rant Room, a podcast about movies, TV, screenwriting, and shit like that. It's just me today, Christopher Derrick, as your co-host who's filling in for Hilliard and Lisa. They're both mad busy on some projects, so I'm just going to give you a quick bottle episode, and we'll jump right in because there's no guest either. Um, it's been a while since I've done one of these, and we've been in the COVID pandemic for far too long than what anyone cares for or anyone uh, can see the end of, which is absolutely terrible. So what are we going to talk about today? Um, you know, I've been watching episodes of Picard finally getting around to that um, it's turned out to be a lot more entertaining than what I uh, thought it could be so that's really exciting um, it's just what I feel was not part of Star Trek that I had seen before in terms of it just being a completely serialized the way it is and I kind of like that a lot I also like the fact that we're looking at someone's life who is at the twilight zone of their life in terms of not like Twilight Zone but just the twilight of their life in terms of they're able to look back at everything they've done and they can either apply that wisdom or not if they don't have any or they when they have their reputation and all the baggage of that is affecting them and it's just interesting to see Patrick Stewart like you know to reprise this role he's done a lot of great roles since he he's he's played Picard I mean like like most notably uh, Professor Xavier but this is interesting to see him play this role again to see he still has this vigor this gusto this almost seems like the role he was born to play, even though, you know, he's a classically trained Shakespearean actor from the Rada in London and shit like that, you know, I always tell everyone my first time I ever saw him was in Excalibur when he plays 
uh, Guinevere's father, and he also has a little role in Dune where he has a mullet. So if you want to check that out, uh, Patrick Stewart, you know when he actually had hair, both those films you can take a look. Um, but Picard is interesting; it's a it's a fascinating show. Um, so I don't know. Check it out if you if you if you on CBS All Access. Uh, most people are not. I feel that's just a branding issue. I feel like they shouldn't have called it CBS All Access. Like they could have just called it All Access, or they could have or they could have called it the I. You know, like their symbol is an I, that CBS symbol, and that was just and that might have been more interesting. I think the the type of program they have on there is not so falling like into the stodginess of what CBS does on the big brand and network the Tiffany network as they used to call it um, so I don't know that's just an interesting thing uh, I'm trying to think what else has caught my mind of late um, you know there's an article I read the other day in the, in the I think in Deadline where uh, Netflix was talking about they wanted a Star Wars or a Harry Potter-esque franchise and there's like some lunacy in this PR statement because there's tons of material like that. There's just tons of material like that. I think the difference with Star Wars is, which, you know, I was talking about what George Lucas originally created, is that he wasn't trying to hit all four quadrants with his film. And that's why I love the first two films the most of those, because they were kind of unapologetic at who they were going after. Uh, from the return of this, clearly they were trying to hit all four quadrants and make the movie like palatable for everybody. And um, I mean, if you look at them, the level of violence is not that violence is necessary, but the type of violence that drives the story is is different in those first two films, in the original Star Wars, A New Hope, and in um, Empire Strikes Back than the rest of the the, the other seven films um, and the spinoffs. So it's interesting to see that they want that because I don't know what they really want. And Harry Potter's the same thing. I mean, there's a lot of books that they could have pulled from. I mean, there's that really great comic book series that, uh, that Neil Gaiman created originally called The Books of Magic. Uh, it's a Vertigo book. I doubt, you know, that there's no way that Disney or, I'm sorry, that Netflix could get that away from Warner Brothers. But Warner Brothers is, is, is doing a thing with it. So, um, you know, there, I, I don't know. There's, in the last 40 years, almost 50 years since Star Wars come out, there's tons of material that could fill that void. I just don't know if anyone's looking hard enough or maybe all the really dope shit has been pot and is sitting in development hell, like somewhere. Um, I mean that's probably what it is uh, more than anything, and then and then you're on the uh, track of. I mean, if someone said, "Hey, like, could you do some episodes of something or create something?" and then I also don't know like like what like what Netflix really wants. Do they want something that's like a true movie trilogy, or do they want one of these kind of books series that the Harry Potter thing was? I mean, the Harry Potter thing was a, a total anomaly. I don't think there's been anything like that where it's like seven books came out and they made you know like eight movies out of the seven books. You know, the, the beauty of Star Wars was it wasn't designed to be a trilogy uh, per se. Um, you know, there was all that material that maybe he wanted to to, to cover in subsequent films, but uh, it wasn't designed that way. Um, that's interesting too because you know you look at like uh, 
like Star Wars, those the like Star Wars movies. Those those movies have different names, you know. As opposed to like you know Part Three, Part Two, blah blah blah. The next version. It's kind of like the Dirty Harry movies, which I've seen are all up and down, like Magnum uh, HBO Max. They don't say Dirty Harry Part Two or Dirty Harry Magnum Force or something like that. Uh, you know, they just have a new title, and Dirty Harry is back. Um, I don't know. There's like tons of material that was out there that they can make really fascinating work with. Um, there's t- so many comic books. There's so many comic books that Image p- produces that could be, um, or that should be like movie series or something like that. I mean, yes, they just did uh, the Old Guard on Netflix. That's probably why they're doing because they saw how, how well the Old Guard did, and that was a, uh, a like an Image book. I don't know. There's tons of stuff, you know. Um, there's that Hickman Hickman book called East of West um I don't know why that's not a series Prophet book that Rob Liefeld created that could be a series um a movie series I mean you know but it's hard to say because you can't really say I want to make a franchise um I don't think that's really been a successful uh endeavor when you're you're aiming to make a franchise without like successful underlying material and that's also saying to you well how come it's not like a you know like a um uh, a movie per se you know the, the harry potter books was they they they, they the, each one like was really a succinct story that could work as a movie on its own um things like the matrix and stuff like that came out and there was a project afterwards but that's not planned as one i think the plan a franchise to assume that the audience is going to fall in love with something uh to spend that much time in the way that movies are done um is kind of presumptuous, you know, and, and movies had carried different stakes and things and what happens in television and things like that. So it's hard to say what's going to happen with that. Um, speaking of movies, still no theaters. There's been a few theaters, but it's really like no theaters in the United States, I guess it seems. I mean, there's been theaters opening up in the rest of the world. You keep hearing about stuff. There's been box office numbers and things like that. Uh, the international box office, you know, and the big film that everyone is looking at is Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Seems to be a moving target on when it's going to be released and what it's going to do and how soon it's going to come out in the states and things like that. And I don't know what that means. I think there is a release date for it. I haven't really kept up with it that much. I just like it's going to come out or it's not. Uh, I mean, the, so there's that. There's Dune. There's, there's there's all these big movies that like want to play theatrically that want to be these like kind of like larger than life experience and it, and it doesn't have to be a big movie to be a larger than life experience you know like that's what's really interesting about certain kind of indie dramas they work really well as in the theater but you know um, so we'll see what happens with with uh, Chris Nolan's uh, tenant you know I think there's an interesting thing about his work I think you know he 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 got he got maligned for uh Interstellar, I think, too hard, um, and I don't know if enough people recognize the sheer brilliance of his Dunkirk movie, his, his last movie, um, which is a great movie, a really, really great movie. It's just so well executed and it's so well told visually. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of dialogue in that, and that's what's great about it is that it plays as a piece of like moving images. And I don't know. 
that is even something that people are interested in outside of like a theater going experience. It's kind of like in the comics. You know, every once in a while there'll be a comic that'll be done with no dialogue. You know, it's really fascinating to see how that type of storytelling is told. I remember when I first read one of these, it was, God, it must have been in the 80s, early or mid 80s. Um, it was a G.I. Joe comic. I want to say issue 18, maybe issue 21. Um, with Snake Eyes, you know, Snake Eyes like couldn't talk, and he did this. He did this thing where he had to rescue Scarlet, and he went through to this, and it was all told silently. The guy that uh, what's his name, like uh, Larry Hama, wrote this fantastic script that was just—I don't know who penciled it, but it was just like you know, page to page to page to page of no dialogue, of no thought balloons, no captions on any sort, just boom. There was a really interesting one like that in. Um, I remember recently uh, in. Again, Jonathan Higman's uh, um, East of West, I think, I don't know, issue 10, issue 11 or something like that, um, maybe 21, too. I don't know, very fascinating like, like way to tell stories without dialogue, which is what you can do in a movie or you can do in a comic book because of the kind of like finite nature of the experience. Um, thinking of that, it's like, you know, what else is coming out is that is Disney is putting out Mulan on Disney Plus at what twenty nine ninety nine twenty ninety five? Um, I guess that you know, and it's going to forego a theatrical release here in the states because um, I'm sure it's going to play in China in the theaters and 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 other places in Europe where the theaters are available. Um, it's just I just I think I wonder if that's just the new normal because I don't know you know like there's always been talk about an existential threat to the movie theaters but I think that's more of like going to the theaters in the states than anything else um, and it's kind of witnessed by the last 10 years you've seen this transition from the, the US box office being 70% of a film's take to dropping down to 30% of a of a film's take like globally um, you know I just don't know how many people uh, in America actually still like to go to the movie theater um, whereas I think it's still like a, a, a cultural event outside of uh, the states, and I think that you know just the way that art is looked at in general, particularly like like film art, uh, is appreciated more and is appreciated like in its intended you know medium of of, of going to the movie theater. Um, you know the theaters and the film film industries are supported by the government. In, in like in these other countries because they know how important it is to have that presentation. I just I, you know I, I just wonder if the if the theaters are even like subsidized by um, the governments in other places and if and if, if they're you know to I mean I doubt they let them die in other places the way that they're dying here. Um, but it's just interesting to see what happens with Mulan and Disney. Everyone's balking because they got they got to subscribe and pay the six dollars to watch to see watch like everything on Disney Plus, and now they got to oh I got to pay thirty dollars to watch Mulan. It's interesting that we're gonna probably see that that's why there's no more theaters coming back because people are just gonna get used to seeing these movies now just at home and it's not gonna mean anything. I can almost put money down that if there's any kind of uh, decent money back from the, the Mulan on Disney Plus that Black Widow is out next. It's the next big Disney film that uh, hits Disney Plus because there's because there'll be no theatrical run at least in the United States. 
um, for for Black Widow. Uh, I'm sure it'll be everywhere else where they have theaters and people are able to deal with the COVID the way they can't here. Um, I, I don't know, but you also look at it it's like, look, the, this week or this week coming up, just this week to just past, the DOJ uh, has formally approved the repeal of the Paramount consent decrees. So even if there are theaters back. What do you think happens when when Disney begins to own theaters, a big chunk of them, the way that um, you know, like Netflix and Amazon have been buying theaters so they can put movies out, so they can be considered for the Oscars? Which I guess are not that whole thing about it's got to play theatrically. is probably not going to have to be changed for what it means to be an Oscar, you know, uh, considered film if there's no more theatrical. Um, going on. But, you know, if the Disney owns theaters, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the box office money. Because, you know, there's always this revenue split and this claim that, they, you know, that, that they got to split all the money with the theaters and, you know, and how much money is actually made, you know, uh, in a theater, theatrical run. I mean, like a Disney theater, are they going to contribute all that excess money from the popcorn and candy and stuff? Like, like does that tacked into how much um, is going to the bottom line of, uh, you know, like of a movie, um, you know, like are they going to find a way to say, hey, show me your ticket stub when you buy some, when you buy, you know, concessions and have that apply to the actual revenue that a film comes, a film makes. So if everyone's going to see Avengers, the next Avengers, but the Eternals. The food, their popcorn and their fucking you know candy and shit like that, and their drinks. Are they going to distribute that money to the films so they can see how much like a film is drawing in, is generating this much revenue? Or are we not going to see that? Uh, I mean, we probably won't. I mean, because cause, I mean, just, just like just look at what Disney also did. Like the minute that they're able to like crush the the writers' guilds' demand, so there's no push, there's no like increase on. Um, on residuals, and on, it's like pittance for like streaming and digital. What does Disney do? They get rid of everything new. There's gonna be no more Blu-rays and DVDs from from, from Disney because they uh, are like, well, no more physical media. So we have to pay the writers or directors or anything like like any more money like after what we decide that we want to pay them because if because you know I mean I think what happens if they just go to streaming with everything if they just go to streaming with everything and they forego the theater then you just got to say to yourself like what does that do to the 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 type of money that is usually split amongst the creatives and things like that in terms of like how successful a movie is I mean if the if the box office matri- if, if the box office metric is gone then you gotta say to yourself how do how, like, how are films like even gonna be budgeted in the in the in that world when everything is streaming and you know and they don't release the 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 uh, uh the numbers of, of the way anything does on streaming and you never know what the, what the streaming numbers are because it's a, you know the box office was looked at like okay you have these first two three weeks maybe a month in the theater and that tells you the value of what the film did but you know the way it is now with streaming I mean a movie might drop but I might not watch it for six months from now and there might be an uptick of it of, you know just, just this long tail kind of thing with the viewing of it you know that would that would that would normally be uh, all these are kind of like these revenue streams like all that is going to change in terms of like how much money 
is a, a film worth and therefore how much money is you know like are they going to budget something and 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 there's going to be you know all these it's just weird to see what's going to happen when when there's no more independent cinemas and these companies like Disney Disney Fox don't want to give their movies to independent cinemas it's just interesting to see what's going to happen and it's I'm, I'm not even sure what, uh, what what will happen you know because what because what happens with movies with Disney like the Disney films like all they have to hit all four quadrants but see what that also means is that you can't offend anyone in those four quadrants and uh, you know I was having a discussion with a friend of mine the other day we were talking about like how come movies don't have the same kind of like cultural impact you know how movies like you know there used to be like a, like a line of dialogue that came out of a movie just unexpectedly you know like in Jerry Maguire like show me the money or something like that you know or the stuff that like Paul Thomas Anderson could kind of fit into his movies and stuff like that and and uh, it's I, I feel it's because you're not allowed to be risky anymore with 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 the with the movie um, and why is it different than you can be risky in a television I'm not risky in being a television either um, I mean, you can, but because there's so much content that's, that's even in a single series, there's 10 hours of material plus, you know, there, there's no, like, real, um, it's too much for you to kind of, like, feel the impact of a certain amount of time of, like, compressed, like, heightened story. And, uh, you know, because I'm watching that thing, Perry Mason, right now. And it's interesting. I've, been, I've watched five episodes. I mean, I've, that's, I mean, I've given it, a, like, more... Then I might give something else because I'm, you know, I'm the perfect audience for that. But there's nothing really memorable about it. I mean, I remember in the last episode I watched, they had brought back this, you know, this uh, this fat guy who is a movie star. I guess he's kind of like a uh, like a play on Fatty Arbuckle. Um, you know, he he is he was fucking this girl in the opening episode with like. All this like cake and stuff up on her like body and you know all inside her genitals and stuff like that. It was just a really kind of like bizarre scene, and it's like yeah, that was fucking weird as shit. But it was so glossed over, even in that scene, and then it didn't really have any impact on the rest of the show. Um, it's just the main storyline, and that's where it's like, where's the risk of it? And even the main storyline is this murder investigation that's not even really like a it's not even a risky event was happening you know you know it's interesting to see what is compelling about that and compared to what's not but um I don't know I don't know you know that's just something that's been been interesting to watch you know I I uh you know it's just it's 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 a weird time to be uh, looking at content and creating content and what people are going to be interested in like once there's no more pandemic but the can the coronavirus stays around I mean it's not it's not going to go it's not going to go away it's just a lot of people have to get it a lot of people have to get it and then they got to hope we got to hope that there's some sort of uh, immunity from the antibodies to a- allow content to be made the way that we traditionally have made it but as I've been saying for a long time you know the computer is destroying a lot of jobs just just across the way and I feel that this way that they made the Mandalorian 
uh, might be uh, the way that films and television are predominantly made in the future, just because of the way the pand- just because of the way the coronavirus is, which is just like so much of it's digital, just absolutely like you know crowd scenes, sets, you know locations. Doesn't matter where you go, you're you're fake, um, you know, and you have to get used to that kind of like. Uh, um, inauthenticity because going out and shooting shit for real uh, might just not it, it, it might be a thing of the past it might be you know to shoot real might be the same way they but shoot black and white now um, you know like oh shit oh you know what some actually shot a movie for real somewhere as opposed to like uh, you know like some digital some digital world it just might become that kind of thing uh, in the next five years with the way Things are going to shake out with um, uh, the virus and the fact that uh, the streamers are going to have like complete control over everything and there'd be no way to really tell the budget or anything. They'll just decide what they feel something is worth to make it look decent. Um, so, I don't know. That's what I had to talk about today. I don't know if there's anything else I'm going to talk about right now. Uh, I mean, like, writing-wise... I don't know, you know, but you know, people might want to ask questions. I'm, I'm, we're, I'm gonna toy with putting together something of the next episode, a way for listeners to send us messages, send us verbal messages, um, a call-in kind of messages, call-in questions through the anchor site. Um, but we'll see if we can make that happen. I, we'll, we'll see. It'd be exciting to see. Um, if you're interested in, you know, some writing I've done. Uh, I published a article or an essay on my traumatic police experiences in a magazine. It's a journal called uh, Guernica. Uh, I'll put the. Uh, it's called Sirens. Um, I'll put the the link in the show notes. The magazine is spelled G U E R N I C A. Uh, you know, it's it's an arts and politics magazine, uh, and Guernica is like the. Um, it's like a Spanish term for war. Uh, there's that Picasso painting that's called uh, it's called Guernica that he made during the Spanish Civil War. It's a very famous painting. Um, anyway, but there'll be a link to that uh, if, if you guys want to read that. If you're interested in reading that, I, I have no idea if you are. Uh, just you know, if you want to see what my writing is like, um, this not screenwriting. But uh, I guess that's it for this week. Um, we're looking at uh, the whole team coming back next week. There will be a bonus episode somewhere scattered about maybe two with Linnell White. Uh, going to be talking about her enjoyment, love, slash appreciation for the Mandalorian series. Um, and uh, let's see. You can support the show at ScreenwritersRR.com. You can send us questions at ScreenwritersRR at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us at uh, Screenwriters RR on Twitter, uh, or uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at um, Unauthorized CBD. Uh, same thing on Instagram. Um, you can follow Twitter at Hill. Uh, you can you can follow Hilliard on Twitter at at Hilliard Guest. Um, you can follow Lisa on Twitter at What Fresh Hell Is This. Um, 
And you can go to our Patreon page, which if you go to our website, ScreenwritersRR.com, there'll be uh, links on the main page so you can support the show. You can go to the shop on ScreenwritersRR and you can find t-shirts. There's like, uh, there's the main t-shirt, which you always sell, you know, uh, with the Screenwriters Rant Room logo. There is like a bootleg t-shirt where I did like a separate kind of just like funky type of um, design for a couple shirts, a couple different colors. Um, those uh, um, there's there's a mug on there that's screenwriters mug that people find interesting. Um, actually, it's it's and then there's a, a really great power of a story T-shirt. Uh, there's a couple different variants of that too. Um, so that's it for this week. I hope everyone is having a good week in terms of writing wise. Um, I don't know what else we're going to talk about. Nothing else to talk about right now. All right, everyone. Have a good day. Thank you for listening. Um, And we will be back next week. I'm going to say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Road. Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room. Red Room. Red Room.